Man, we're thrilled that you're with us. Like I said, I believe we should have a good time in church. I believe that God wants to do something incredible over the next few moments. And so what we're going to do is we're going to open up Scripture. Uh, I'm going to spend the next about 35 minutes with you. We're going to pray together. And I'm going to get you on your way. If you've never been to church before, we like to preach through what we call sermon series. So what that means is basically we look at a topic and we spend, you know, five or six or seven or eight weeks in that topic. And so we've done dating and money and work and, and, and all sorts of things like that, who you should look for if you're dating, how, how you can have a good godly marriage. And so for the last few weeks, we're in week number five, we've been doing a sermon series called Burn the Plow eat the cow. And so the, the sermon series is about a man named Elisha. And I've started every week like this, but some of you have never been here before. The reason I like this story uh, is because this guy is a lot like most of us. He's just a normal farmer. He's running his family business. Uh, a man named Elijah, the prophet of God, he's famous you know, for what he's done. He's just called down fire from heaven and, and killed all these prophets of Baal. And just all this cool stuff is happening. And, and if you don't know anything I'm talking about, he's just a bad dude. And so he's famous in, in the area of Israel. And so he shows up on, on, on Elisha's farm and he basically says, you're next. God has a great thing he wants to do with your life. And so in that instance, four weeks ago, I said, there's going to be a moment God comes to you, and you're going to have the same opportunity that Elisha had. And what did he do? The Bible says he burned his plow, his farming equipment. He ate his cows, the, the things that pulled it. And essentially what he was saying is, I'm going with you. I'm never coming back. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what it looks like. I know this is an amazing opportunity. And so I encourage you. I said, God's going to ask you to change something. And your refusal to get rid of your past will oftentimes allow your past to destroy your future. So there's going to be a time when he comes into your life. And so we, we kind of went there. And then the next week we talked about uh, the gap, God-appointed preparation. He goes for 10 years between when he's asked to be the prophet and when he actually becomes a prophet, when he actually steps into his calling. So he spends 10 years uh, kind of becoming a prophet. And so I said there's a gap in between when God calls you and when you're used by God, God-appointed preparation. So if you're in the middle of that season... Don't have disdain for it. Don't be confused by it. God is getting you prepared for something great. And before he does something great through you, he oftentimes has to do a work in you. And so I encourage you with that gap. Three weeks ago, we talked about handling success. Here's two things he did in the gap. Number one, he got prepared to be the prophet. You don't get prepared for success. When success arrives, you get prepared long before it gets there. Success can ruin people. Success can destroy you. When you believe that it's all about you, it, it, that can ruin you. So we talked about handling success. And then last week I talked to you about not getting talked out of it. He's right on the brink of becoming the prophet. And all of a sudden, all these voices start to come into his head. The voice of Satan, the voice of society, you remember? Even the voice of self. Can, can I do this? Do I have what it takes? And so I encourage you, listen to the voice of God. Turn up the voice of God. Understand his word. Understand what he wants to do in and through your life. Today I want to talk to you, and the title of my message is pretty simple. And don't tune me out if you're like a church person who's turned on Christian TV because you're going to think instantly this is that type of sermon. But the title of my message is The Principles of Prosperity. And no, I'm not going to take up another offering. No, I have not set a table out upside with special cloths that you can buy from 1999 that I've wiped my armpit sweat on. I'm going to sell it to you for 1999. No, that is not what this sermon is about. But here's what I do believe. I believe God has called you to be prosperous. 
I believe he has called you to success. I believe that he is not into one-hit wonders. You know what I'm talking about? I was at the barbershop uh, this week getting my hair cut. And, and in the barbershop, you never know what they're going to talk about. Like, it's just kind of random things. And somehow, they got on the topic of vanilla ice. And they started talking about vanilla ice. And those of you who are young, you don't know who vanilla ice is. But for me, vanilla ice was, was a, was a one-hit wonder. And some of you are going, no, I was a fan. He had more than one song. Name it, right? Like, yeah, one song, Ice Ice Baby, right? And so he made a lot of money. In fact, one of the barbers said, not only did he have that song, but he tried to convert that song into a rock song. It didn't work. And so he went down as one of the greatest white rappers of, of all time. And so with Ice Ice Baby, some of you are going, he was not a great rapper. Yes, yes, in, in my opinion, he had Ice Ice Baby. That was a great song. But he had, he had the struggle of being what I would call one-hit wonder. What that means is, is you have a great song, it becomes ridiculously popular, and then the stress gets dumped on you oh no, I need to have another good song. I mean, if you could just imagine that with me, there's not many artists that have hit after hit after hit because the pressure is so, so great. And what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk to you about walking in continued success in, in your life. Prosperity actually means that whatever you make contact with sees continued success. Wherever you walk, whatever business that you're in, whatever, whatever your marriage is, wherever you, you set foot, that I believe that God wants you to be a person of influence. He wants you to be a person of prosperity. He wants you to be a person of success. I think that because of the words of Christ. This is what he says in John 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Watch what he says. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Not only did I come so that you would have eternal life, but I've come that you can live a purposeful, successful, influential life on this earth. And so I want to talk to you about this today because here's what I need you to understand. Uh, the, the way that you're handling what you have currently determines how successful you're going to be in the future. Let me tell you that again. The way that you handle, because some of you are going, okay, well, I'll, well, once I get that one hit wonder, then I'll, then I'll handle it right. And I want to tell you today, the way that you're currently handling Whatever context, whatever responsibility, whatever avenue that God has entrusted you with, the marriage you have, the business that you walk in, where you go to school, the way that you're handling it currently determines how successful you're going to be in the future. And so here's my question to you. How many of you have ever worked really hard for something in this life? Hopefully all of us have. You know, as long as you're under the age of 12. Nobody that's under the age of 12 works hard anymore, right? And so that says all the old people, right? And so... But as long, like we've worked hard, saved up for something, bought something, had a shiny object somewhere, done something with some, like, like put work into something. For me, it's this church. Like if, I, if you ask me, what is the one thing that you have worked really hard in this life? And it's been this church. This, this, this church has caused me countless hours of, uh, of sleepless nights and uh, stress and wrinkles. And some people point out you got gray in your beard. I say, thank you. It's quits for you, from you. And so like, like I'm getting old. I've seen, I can go back 10 years ago. What, where'd that guy go? Like, where'd that stud muffin go? And I say, church. Church has sucked the life out of me. Like, it's just been stressful. And so, like, it's just been a lot of work. And so when, listen, when you work really hard for something, what do you tend to do? I want to hold on to this. This, this is mine. This is, as my, 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 middle, my first son says, he's 10, he still says, mine's, right? Mines. Who, I don't know why people add S's to everything. This is mine. This is, this is my thing. I worked really hard for this. Some of you are here right now. There's something in your life that you are finding success in, and you're, you hold on to it really desperately. It's, it's, it's mine. And the second question is, in that thing that you hold on to, is it really difficult for you to give that away? Would it be really difficult for, for, for you to go, okay, here you go, God. You, you hold on to it. 
Because this, this is an important question. The success that you want to see in your future is connected to how you handle what you're holding right now. How, how, you, how you are available to, to give it away. How, how you're ready to let go of it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to jump into a story in the Bible in the life of Elisha. And you're going to see a kind of a, a switch. We're, we're no longer going to talk specifically about him personally. But we're going to take a look at a few miracles that God worked through him. And we're going to learn some practical lessons. So here's, here's the, the kind of the background. It's 850 BC. That means before Christ. Uh, the, the king that Elisha is kind of working to, 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 to convert and talk, talk to him about God, he, he's ungodly, uh, he's stubborn, he, he's, he's taking the country down the, down the tank because he's taking the country down the tank, uh, the, the economy is suffering because the economy is suffering, people are suffering. And so as you can imagine, what happens when people suffer is unexpected things happen. And so in the story today, we're going to meet a widow of a, and her husband was a prophet and, and, and kind of followed Elisha around. He worked for Elisha. Now, even back then, people who worked for God didn't get paid very much money. And so what happened to him, he didn't have a big 401k. He didn't have a retirement. He actually had a lot of debt. And the Bible implies that he died unexpectedly. We don't know how. And he leaves this woman... Uh, his wife, to kind of fend for herself. And here's what's scary. At that time, uh, a woman was, was only as successful as her husband was. Like, she couldn't go get a job. She couldn't go to school. Like, she was in a desperate situation. And to make it even worse, she has two sons. And the Bible says, because of the debt that her husband left, that her sons were going to have to get sold into slavery to repay that debt. So not only has she lost her husband, she's now going to lose her two sons. And she is going to be left to beg. She's going to be left to, to, to do things that maybe she would have never imagined herself doing. She is in a dire situation, and Elisha shows up on the scene. And I want to show you this conversation between him and Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 4. Verse number 1, it says, The wife of a man from a company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. I just told you this, but I'll read it. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. He put a lot of... Uh, of of, of clothes and, and food on, on his visa card, and, and, and they're coming to take his boys to pay it off. There wasn't bankruptcy. There wasn't, you know, deferred payments. There wasn't that stuff. It was basically, oh, crap, my boys are dead. My boys are slave to this. They're going to go work this debt off. It's going to take them years. I'm losing everybody. So Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Isn't that a funny question? Sometimes we're like, God, I just told you how you can help me. How can I, how can I help you? And she says, this. he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? Your, your, your servant has nothing there at all, she says. Duh. I have nothing. My, my boys are going into slavery. And then she says, except for a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask just for a few. Then go outside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. As each is filled, put it to the side. So go out and get your neighbor's jars. Can you imagine this? I want you to notice something. Oftentimes, the success or the prosperity that you are seeking to, to, to receive from God does not start with you getting something. It begins with you giving something. Can I say that to you again, please? Because some of you are like, I don't like this sermon. I've been praying to God that he would open up the heavens, that he would bless me, that he would give me more opportunity, that he would give me things at work, that he would open up a, a, a way for me to get a raise at work, that he would fix my income, that he would do all these things. You're in a dire situation just like this widow is. She says, I don't have anything left except oil. And what does he say? Go get some empty jars from your neighbors 
And watch what he says to her. And I think this is almost humorous. The Bible says that he should pour it in the oil into the jars. And as each is filled, she only had a little bit. As each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. Do you imagine this scene? Gets, she gets Ruth's jar. Her neighbor, she doesn't really like her. She starts to pour. She's like, I can't believe I'm giving Ruth my oil, my kids. And she's pouring. And the stuff just keeps coming. She's like, where's this stuff coming from? She goes and gets Gertrude's, right? Because that, that's the name from back then, Gertrude's. And she pulls it in. And then she gets Bill's and Bob's. And she just keeps dumping in all of her neighbor's jars. And the Bible says, as the jars come, she keeps dumping from the same bottle of oil that will ha- barely had anything left. And as she's dumping it, the jars just continue to fill up. And she says, bring me another one. Bring me another one. Bring me another one. Bring me another one. And then the Bible says, but he replied, there's no jars left. Then watch what it says. Then the oil stopped flowing. I want you to highlight that in your scriptures. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your deeds. You and your sons can live on what is left. What a miracle. Oil was a ridiculously important commodity at that time. It was used for pretty much everything and anything you can imagine. It was a resource. It was sellable. And all of a sudden, she has more than you can imagine. And so I want to work through this principles of prosperity because here's the thing. What God wants to do and give to you begins oftentimes with you. It doesn't oftentimes come first from heaven. Oftentimes it comes first from you. So let me give you a couple things in the principles of prosperity. Number one is this, is your greatest obstacle to prosperity is your poverty mindset. Now I want you to understand, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about life as a whole. If you're a business owner, the greatest obstacle to your business being prosperous is oftentimes your poverty mentality. If you run a church, the greatest obstacle oftentimes to churches seeing God prosper them is what I will call a poverty mentality. If you have a marriage, if you have talents, the greatest obstacle to seeing God use your talents in a bigger way is oftentimes a poverty mindset. Some of you are going, I don't understand it. Remember when you had a toddler and you gave them something and you wanted it back? Maybe it was just a little toy or something like that and you were like, hey, let me see that. You know, it's not working right. It needs some batteries in it. It's broken. Or maybe you had something better. Maybe they had a teddy bear that was just gnarly and nasty because they slobbered all over it. And you're like, I have an upgrade for you. They're like, no. What is the reason a toddler won't give you that thing? They were under the impression that you don't have another better thing for them. Some of you are like, I don't have any kids. You have a dog? You ever give your dog a bone? And then you try to get the bone back? He tries to bite your arm off? And you try to pull it out. What's wrong? Your dog does not have the mental capabilities to understand. That's just a bone, bro. I got plenty more where that came from. Give me that thing's gnarly. It's almost gone. It's slobbery. You know how those rawhides get when they've been chewing on them too long and they start to get everywhere. Like, give me that. It's disgusting. I have a better one that's not soggy that you can actually chew on. What is it? It's a poverty mindset. You ready for it? Because I've struggled with it in my life. It's the belief that you don't have enough. The problem is not that I don't give stuff away. The problem is not that I'm not letting stuff go. The problem is not that I'm not available to be used by God. The problem is that I don't have enough. You're talking about prosperity. If God would prosper me first by letting me win the lottery, then I'll be generous. If God would just give me a raise, then I will start tithing. But I can't tithe because I don't have enough. If God would just do this, then I would do that. It's a poverty. It's a poverty. I don't have enough. I, I, they're, 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 these are the best ideas that I'm ever going to get. And if I share these ideas with somebody else, if I let them go, 
They're going to steal it. I need to compete with others to win customers. I need to go back. I need to backbite them. I need to, I need to take cuts. I need to do whatever I can. If I'm a pastor of a church, I need to compete with other churches to make sure I get customers. I can't help others because it will steal my chance to help myself. It, it will rob from me. My time is too precious to give it away. And here's the problem with the poverty mindset. The poverty mindset is often not facts-based thinking. It's an over-exaggeration that allows you to continue to remain the victim. You should write that down. The, the, the poverty mindset is often not facts-based thinking. It's an over-exaggeration that allows us to be the victim, even in America. We have poor people, but we don't even touch or scrape the level of poverty that's in the rest of the world. Poor people in our country walk around with smartphones. You're not poor. Poor people in, in, our, in, our, in our country smoke $7 cigarette packs. Poor people in our country do things like that. They, 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 they might have a problem, but it's an over-exaggeration of the truth. And what it does is it allows you to remain in the victim mentality. And some of you do it here today. You go, you know, I know what you're saying, but I don't have a lot. What did she say when he first came? What do you have? I don't have nothing. I got nothing. And I can just hear it kind of, you know, I do got a little bit of oil. Just a little tiny bit of oil. What does she have? She has a poverty mindset. It's not facts-based because she has a little bit. It's just an over-exaggeration of the truth, and it allows her to be the victim. And here's what you need to understand. If you want to see prosperity in your life, you are an active participant in God's prosperity. You are an active participant in God's prosperity. The woman with the issue of blood, what did she do? She got to Jesus. While the crowd was kind of there, she pushed her way through the crowd. Get, get out, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, get out of my way, get out of my way. Bless you, get out of my way. Gets Jesus touches them. The Bible says she's instantly healed. She still had to do the work. She's an active participant in the healing. The man who was born blind that had to go wash in the pool, Jesus puts mud in his eyes and says, go walk all the way across town as a blind man with mud in your eyes, and then you'll be healed. Why couldn't Jesus just heal him in that moment? He could, but he's teaching us a principle. You are an active participant in the prosperity of God. When Peter walked on water while the other 11 sat there and watched, he had to get out the boat. He had to walk. He had to walk to Jesus, right? Even the turning of water into wine. Some of you perked up at that one. They had to go get empty jars. They had, to get, they had to get stuff to hold it. Like you are an active participant. Here's the truth. Your little in God's hands is always much. You have something to give to God today. You have something to return to God. You have the ability to be a blessing to other people as we go into the holidays. You have the ability to buy somebody else's dinner or their lunch or their breakfast. You have the ability to buy somebody's coffee at Wawa in front of line of you. You have the ability to serve other people even though you're extremely busy in your own business. You have the ability to receive a call from a local other competitor that has a question about how you're being so successful in your business right now. You have the ability in whatever avenue that you're in to be a blessing and not a burden and even if it's a little you need to understand when you put a little in God's hands it always leads to much I love teaching my kids this my kids they get paid right now five dollars a week not for me from my neighbor to feed their cat five dollars every week one time they have to go do it it's amazing I, I, I love like literally I, I love it right I'm like this is amazing I don't got to give you nothing now you're getting five bucks thank you lord right and so they go over they get the five bucks and they come back and I'm like don't forget what you got to do what they got to do they got to tithe you're getting five bucks for feeding a cat one time. That is the blessing and the glory of the Lord, right? We hate cats. The fact that somebody's paying you five bucks to feed them, hallelujah, right? 
And they'll sit down and I'll say, you got you to tithe. You got to bring your tithe to church tomorrow. You got you to tithe. And they'll say, they'll say, it's just a little bit. Why does it matter? It's 50 cents. I say, it is a little bit. It's not going to pay for nothing. But one Reese's peanut butter cup that I'm going to eat, right? <laughs> That's not the point. The point is not in how much. The point is in what you're willing to give. A, a little that's given to God never stays little. A little in God's hands is always much. And so some of you need to get over your poverty mentality. It's an over-exaggeration of the truth that allows you to remain the victim. My life is not my fault. My situation is not my fault. My business is not my fault. If I had more, I would do more. And God is saying, you have something. You have something. Some of you have a talent that maybe nobody wants to pay for. You just need to give it away. I know music. I'm going to give it away to somebody. I don't know what it looks like. But here's the second principle you need to remember. And this is the one that God has been teaching me. And this is a game changer. Are you ready for it? If you'll continually stay empty, you will constantly have plenty. You need to write it down somewhere. If you will continually stay empty, you will consistently and constantly have plenty. What happened? The Bible says, and you saw the principle, get the empty jars. Now, could you just imagine this for a second? The answer to my problem, Elisha, is for me to dump my last bit of oil into my neighbor's empty jars. That is the dumbest thing I've ever... Thank you for nothing, Elisha. Some of you are there with me right now. You're like, you're a jerk. I came in here. I had an awful week. You know, I, it feels like I've been stepped on, nothing went right, something broke in my house, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm bleeding right now, my bank account, and stuff's going wrong, and you're looking at me, and you're telling me I need to be born giving, you jerk. I'm just trying to be biblical with you today. I'm just trying to teach you a principle, and I, and I knew this one wouldn't be super popular, but I believe this one is super game changer, as we say in the office. That's a super game changer, right? Come on, that's funny. You guys are awful today, by the way. If you're continually empty, you will constantly have plenty. What happened? Go get the jars. Bring me a jar. Bring me a jar. Bring me a jar. Bring me a jar. She's dumping jars, filling up all the way. Push it aside. Push it aside. When did the oil stop? The oil stopped when there was no more empty jars. The, the oil stopped when there was nothing else empty. So the principle is, if you stay empty, God will continue to bring you Plenty. Constantly emptied, constantly plenty. Do you believe this? I want to tell you something. I want to, I don't, many of you, you say it, but you don't believe it. We serve a God of plenty. We, we serve a God of more than, enough, more than enough. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians 9, and I love this verse, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Watch this. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God, God is able to continue to bless you so that you can abound in doing and accomplishing good works for his kingdom. We serve a God of plenty. I love what Luke 6 says, and this is the message, and so it's a little different, but I love how the message paraphrases it. Listen to this. This is so, this is so freeing. Give away your life. This, this is good. And you'll find life giving back. Not merely giving back. Giving back with bonuses and blessings. Giving, not getting, is the way. I love this last part. Generosity begets generosity. God, I want blessings to come my way. God, I want you to bless my business, my marriage, my school, whatever. God, touch my cars, help them to stop breaking down. God, do whatever that you can do. God, you're a God of plenty. What do you first do? You give stuff away. You empty yourself of the things that he's given you, and he will continue to fill and flow into your life. But when you stop being empty, guess what happens? 
the oil stops flowing. And some of you, you, you can relate to that oil thing because you don't feel like you have a lot. See, see my oil, along with my, my, my most difficult thing that I've earned in my life that I've worked hard for, and, and I say earn kind of lightly, but loosely, because we don't really earn nothing from God. He graciously gives it to us, but I've worked hard for this church, so this church is my oil. And there's things in our, in our church that we have as, as a church that, that, were, that are not stolen from any other church in America, that I'm deeply proud of that God has done in our church. There's other things we've stolen, right? There's plenty of things we've stolen. We're not, we're not, we're not, we, we look at stuff, we go, hey, that's amazing, we'll take that, we'll take this, we'll put our logo on it, it'll be fine, right? But there's things in our church that, that literally, that we've done. When you hear us say, we exist for those not yet here, to the core of who we are, this is Journey Church. It started nine years ago in, in, the, in the church at Limerick Campus. That's why we are so radically attached to it, that we cannot be a church that ever exists simply for the church people. That, yes, we're having a great Sunday, but I'm still obsessed with the people who are not yet here that are going to have an opportunity to come next week. And so we are a church that exists for those not yet here. And listen, as we've said this for nine years, we've had churches call and say, hey, can we steal that? And in my spirit, I'm like, No. You can't steal it. You can't say we're a, ch- a church that exists for those that are here not yet. You can't say anything close to it. Don't touch it. It's ours. You know, F-T-N-Y-H for life, right? So we're like, what is that F-T-N-Y? That's what it means, duh. For those not yet here. Somebody trying to read it. What is this stuff? This church is weird. And in my spirit, I'm like, I can't give that. The way we do our home groups right now, we, we set out to do home groups a few years ago. We're like, we can't find nothing. And so we will, we will invent something. And we prayed about it. And God gave, God gave us what I believe is a groundbreaking idea where we stream our, our groups for an hour and 45 minutes. And everything that a group leader needs is right there on, on the TV from start to finish. Even the music that we want you to play in your house so you don't even have to worry about it. And no other church is doing it. And in my spirit, I want to hold on to it. We have another thing called the cycle of connection, which we have developed that shows us how we move somebody from a first-time guest until the next pastor or missionary, whatever else God wants to do in, in your life. And we work that. And those are from journeys church and oftentimes people will call me and what i'll do no you can't have it because if you take it you might ruin what we do you might take from us what we do and, and i in my spirit i've been hearing god say am i god of plenty Am I God that's able to give you better ideas? You see, my current best ideas don't even scrape the tip of the iceberg of god's future inspirations for my life the current best ideas that you have. You, you, you prayed about something. You've worked hard for something. You build a business. You're holding on to it. You're going, nobody else knows. This is my breakthrough. This is what God wants to do. I want you to remember this. Open hand, open heaven. Closed hand, close heaven. You walk around in your life and you say, no, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. Guess what? God can't send nothing else to you because you're holding on and your, hand is, your, your, your fist is clenched. But as soon as you walk around and you say, no, no, no. This isn't the best that I have. God's a God of plenty. There's much more. I'm going to continually empty myself of my dreams and and my work and my brain and my understanding and my gifts. And I'm going to give them as a blessing to other people. And as you continue to give it, guess what happens? More and more and more come. Open hand, open heaven. Closed hand, closed heaven. You ever try to explain that to your your, your kids? Tell somebody, grab a hold of it. My wife is the best at explaining. She'll sit down with our boys and she'll say, when you close your hand like that, so help me God. 
I can't give you anything else. But when you begin to live with open hands and you go, hey, Lincoln, you want some of this from Carter? And hey, 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 Harrison, you want some of this from Lincoln? And you, you have food and you go, you know, I'm going to break me off a little piece of that Kit Kat bar and I'm going to pass it around. And you hook up your, your dad and you, you give back to him and all this stuff. Man, I own the cattle on a thousand hills as your father, kind of. I am a father of plenty. Man, you gave me a Kit Kat bar. I can buy three more of those. So then that's a lot of money. The same thing is true from God. When we open our hands and we go, here, here's my business. Here's my marriage. Here's my talents. Here's my abilities. Here's my time. Here's everything you give. Here's the best ideas that I have. When you'll continually empty yourself of what God has given you, you will consistently and constantly have plenty. It's a life principle. And number three, what you give to God, it always multiplies. What you give to God always multiplies. You see, we are in the business of, of addition, right? That's what we do. So what, what did she say? She said, my sons are going to go pay off this debt. I'm not sure exactly how much it is from scripture, but we know they're going to have to go work for somebody and pay off a debt that they did not, that they did not accrue. The scripture says they would, they would work day after day after day. It's the principle of addition, we're going to work one day, then we're going to work two days, then we're going to work three days, then we're going to work four days, then we're going to work 365 days, then we're going to go in the second year, then we're going to, and we're going to pay back chunk by chunk by chunk. And that's the type of life that we, that we often live. I'm going to work hard, but here's the thing, in the presence of God, he can accelerate things. Can I encourage you with that thought again? He can get you to places that you should not be. He can accomplish things through your business that you should not be able to accomplish. He can change your, mar your marriage in a moment. Heck, he can fix you in one church service on a cold Sunday day in the middle of November. He can put things back together. It can be a, literally an historical moment. All other moments in your life up to that point have been based on addition and subtraction. Added pain. I'm going to subtract pain through addiction. I'm going to add, I'm going to add insult. I'm going to add shame. I'm going to subtract it through this relationship. And I'm just going to kind of go through my life. It's the principle of addition. It's common sense. Inside the presence of God, there is no common sense. The Bible says he can make a way where there seems to be no way. So Elisha shows up. And the Bible is clear. that she's going to pay off her creditors day by day by day. But scripture says that she dumped this oil into these jars and they just kept flowing up and what does it say he says go and sell the oil and pay off all of your debt in a moment after a couple moments of dumping out her oil go pay off your debts you and your sons also can live on what is left not only can you pay off what you you owe you're safe what's left of your family is going to make it you see when we're into subtract or addition god is into the principles of multiplication He's in the principles of doing things in our lives that, that should not happen in a, in a time when, they, when they, could never, they can never happen. He can, he can accelerate things in your life. And so I want to teach you the principles of multiplication. It says in Scripture, it's real, it's real clear in 2 Corinthians 9, whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously, they reap generously. This is a life principle. When you're giving, when you let stuff flow through your hands, when, you, when you're a blessing to other people, when you're giving at church, when you're giving of your time, when you're giving of your energy, when you allow the best to flow through you, believing that God is a God of plenty. The Bible says when you sow generously, you reap generously. But when you hold back, 
Don't be shocked when there's nothing there. That's about as dumb as not planting anything in your garden and going out in the middle of the summer and being like, what the heck's going on? Where's all the tomatoes and the cucumbers and the onions? And your wife will come walking out and go, honey, that was on your to-do list. You never did it again. You got to plant something to get some. So here's the principles of, of prosperity or sowing and reaping. Number one is this, is you reap what you sow. What you put in always comes out. You want to see generosity and prosperity in your life? Be a prosperous person to other people. Be a generous person to other people. Be a giving person to other people. Why? You reap what you sow. There is no prayer that goes, you know what? We're going to kind of gloss right over this one. I know I haven't done any of this. Hey, God, I'm going to do like I did in school when I didn't study for my test. God, I didn't study because I procrastinated. God, can you give me an A? And he's going, no, you earned, you earned it. You earn what you get. What you put in, that's what grows, the Bible says. The Bible says you reap after you sow. It's a duh, right? You put it in, and then you wait. Some of you in that time frame, I'm just going to keep being generous. I'm just going to keep helping other people to be prosperous. I'm going to keep sharing the wisdom that God has given me. I'm going to keep being a resource. I'm going to keep doing these things in my life because I know that eventually I will reap what I sow. And here's number three. You will reap more than you sow. We know this. If you put a seed in the ground, you don't grow a seed. Look at that seed. We know this, especially those in, in Limerick, right? Come on, that joke never gets old. Farmers. You plant something in the ground, and it produces a harvest. Maybe it's a, a corn seed or whatever the heck it is. And it grows up, and it has corn, 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 right? It's not just one little corn kernel. Is that what you plant, farmers, in the dell, right? You guys are a tough crowd today. This is, this, listen, this principle has literally been changing me. Because I can get in my own head and go, we don't have enough. I, I did it. Back in, in September when I felt like God was calling us to give money away to compassion, I was like, we don't have enough. You know what he did the next month? We gave $33,000 away on one Sunday. It was, it was fun. <laughs> and I was excited. But, but what, I, what, I, what, I, what I wanted to see God do is I wanted to see us, we sowed, I wanted to see what he would do. And the next month, not only did we gain that $30,000, we went up another twenty over that. So what we thought was going to come in, we went up $50,000 over that in the budget. Isn't that amazing? Some of you are like, I don't like that. That's the way God works. I will never, ever apologize about teaching you to be generous. I will never, ever apologize about teaching you how to be prosperous, to see God do things in your life that you could not do on your own, to walk in success, to walk in influence. I will never apologize about it because the principles are in Scripture. And just like many other things, the promise and the payoff waits on our obedience. Some of you deal heavily with the poverty mentality. It's an over-exaggeration of what is true about your life right now because you have something in your home. You have something in your hands. You have something in your soul. You have a talent that God has given you that he is saying, give it away to somebody else. You are over-exaggerating so you continue to be the victim. Instead of being the victim, the Bible says you can be more than a conqueror. You can walk in victory even in your tough situation. You can continue to give and serve even when life kicks you down and pushes you down. You can give things away. And when you empty yourself, I promise you, 
you will constantly and consistently receive plenty. And you will walk out what I would call the principles and the promises of multiplication, where God can do things in your life that you can never do on your own. Would you stand with me?